Hello and welcome to the Kick in the Creatives podcast, hosted by myself, Sandra Busby, and my fellow creative, Tara Roskell, offering you interviews, inspiration, motivation, and a gentle prod in the right direction. And for lots more information, challenges, and other useful tools to help you get creating, you can go to www.kickinthecreatives.com. And of course, this is where you can also find today's show notes. Enjoy the show. Laura Frankstone is an artist, urban sketcher and illustrator from North Carolina. I first came across Laura's work about 12 years ago when I stumbled across her blog. And in fact, it was Laura that inspired me to start my own blog all that time ago. Her work is lively, energetic and full of life. And her blog reflects that perfectly. Not only is Laura an amazing artist, but she's an all-round lovely person and I was so excited to talk to her today. If this episode doesn't send you running towards your sketchbook Penelope Pitstop style, then nothing will. Enjoy the show! So thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Laura. Oh, I'm, I'm thrilled to do it. Thank you for asking me. When did your love of drawing begin? Well... It had to have been when I was three because we moved to France when I was four. And this memory is of my sitting on a hardwood floor with my Crayola crayons scattered all around me and drawing a portrait of my older brother who was then seven. And I remember distinctly drawing a circle. I remember drawing lots of dots because he was very freckled and then his features And I felt so exhilarated. I thought, it looks exactly like. (laughs) (laughs) And that started, you know, my lifetime of trying to express myself with my drawing and painting. So have you still got the drawing? That's the question. No, but it's indelibly (laughs) in my mind. (laughs) I could recreate it if you want. (laughs) Well, I first discovered you, Laura, didn't I, through your blog. And I think that must have been at least 10, maybe even 12 years ago, right? Something like that. Absolutely. It was. I'm sure it was. And I believe I kind of um, spoke to you, not spoke to you, spoke to you, but I think I might have sent you a message or emailed you because it was you who actually inspired me to start my own blog back then all those years ago. And, um, And I've been sort of blogging on and off ever since. So I would really love to know what first inspired you to start your own blog? And obviously, the other question I want to ask is how important has blogging been to you over the years? Because you've not stopped at all. No, well, first of all, I do remember so fondly our early communications. And we communicated fairly frequently for a while, uh, questions that you had and I had about the creative process. So I'm glad that we made that acquaintance. Um, well, in 2005, blogging began to be a thing and I have friends all over the world and in other states and they were after me to tell them and show them what I was up to. So the blog became the perfect way to show my work to people who couldn't see it in person and also because I also write 
I was able to use the blog format to show my work and tell the stories behind it. And it was actually that combination of drawing, painting, and writing that made me name my blog Laura Lines, lines referring to the drawn line and to the written line. So you must have filled hundreds of sketchbooks over the years. What do you think the secret is to being so prolific? Oh, gosh. Well, I have filled hundreds of sketchbooks over the years and journals, too. And I really feel sorry for my two daughters because when I pass on, they're going to have a giant archive to deal with. Um, You know, as an art student and afterwards, sketching was just something that that one did. And I especially always love to make travel sketches. So um, when the big worldwide sketching tsunami hit, I think, Sandra, wouldn't you say 2008, 2010, 2012 were the exciting beginning years of, of all of this? Yes, I think so. I think I think what started it was that film, Julie, is it Julie and Julia? Did you ever see that? Oh, I well, no, I've uh, what started for me, and I was trying to remember where you and I met. Was, oh, um, I think it, I think it was about two thousand. Yes, and I, I think it was about two thousand and ten. I yeah. think. Yeah. Well, in two thousand eight, it seems that I was invited to join Urban Sketchers, but the dates, hmm. specific dates, don't really matter, and I could be wrong about that. But in any case, we know that sketching went from something that artists did to this wonderful worldwide movement mm. where so many people joined in and it's been a thrill. It, it's fantastic and all of that. And um, I joined in the movement as well. You know, Everyday Matters and Urban Sketchers were, are, have been two of the big online propellers of the worldwide sketching movement. But, you know, over time, I began to feel that sketching began to feel like producing or performing, you know, that there was a social media pressure as social media grew in power to draw every day, share every day, almost as though what you were doing was, as as I say, producing commodities for consumption. And for me, that began to feel not so good. So I pulled back from as much public sketching as I had done. Also, I was beginning to paint more again so that um, I feel now and felt then that art has to come from a very personal creative impulse. And to the extent that the sort of public sketching began to feel impersonal, um, you know, I, I backed away from that somewhat. Yeah, and and that, and you obviously just then carried on just uh, posting on your blog, didn't you? Rather than social yes. media, perhaps. Yeah. So blogging, I mean, I think that's been the place really where you've kind of shared everything, isn't it? Yes. But you you haven't necessarily um, put all of your posts out on social media, but I've I've followed along um, over the years, and you know, you, you just you just have just. Well, you must like like Tara said, you must have have so many sketchbooks, <laughs> and and what um what I like is that there's I mean you sketch everything you like I mean you like painting and you like drawing yes but there doesn't seem to be any particular medium that you you don't 
try um you you don't shy away for anything so what i'd like to know is first of all do you have like a basic go-to sketching kit that you always carry around and also like a medium that you prefer or do you is it just anything goes for you well somewhere in between um the there are a couple of main reasons why i don't have a basic sketching kit because always in the past, when I would go to a place to sketch, I would try to think ahead of time, okay, what colors will be, will I feel that I need to have to respond to this place or what kinds of drawing materials? And often you don't know ahead of time, but I remember um, in 2014, I was invited by the uh, Italian Tourist Bureau to come and participate in a international travel bloggers um, conference on the coast of Italy in Rimini. And my first question after I accepted was to ask the sponsors, what colors should I bring along in my palette? And so that was key for me. I knew that the palette that I would want to use was not the same palette I used in Iceland. (laughs) So um, to that extent, I don't have a basic sketching kit. And the other thing is, a few years ago, my husband and I decided that we were only going to travel with carry-ons, no matter how long our journey, whether it was in the dead of winter in Norway, which it often was, so that I did not have room for the sweaters I needed in my suitcase, much less for a copious, you know, tubes of watercolor and so on. So I now just take a very spare kit, which consists usually of um, two or three sketchbooks, um, my Pentel pocket brush pen, a few, a handful of Carandash watercolor crayons, and then a pair of comp- of uh, complementary color pencils, warm and cold, red and blue, orange and green or whatever. And that's about it. Because I, I actually asked you about your pen, didn't I? Because a lot of <laughs> if anyone listening, I, I hope they're going to go and have a look at your blog. But um, for years, I've been asking myself, what pen? I wonder what pen Laura Brewer <laughs> uses for these gorgeous, especially your um, kind of your flowers and your garden scenes, because it's almost like a calligraphy marks. Yeah. And, and I assumed that it was some kind of uh, maybe a soldier pen or a fountain pen, you know, a, a calligraphy pen. And um, you said to me, oh it's my pentel pocket brush pen and I thought well I've got one of those I've had one for ages and I can't mine does not look like that (laughs) so I think you've mastered it beautifully (laughs) well I do love it I love how fluid it is and I use it for almost everything now still you know um landscapes and things like that as well yeah I just want to step back because you said uh about going to art school did I catch that right Yes, way back. So I just did your love of like these sketchbooks. Were you doing those all through art school? Well, I went to a couple different schools, but um, I actually did a couple of terms at Edinburgh College of Art way, way back. The second term ended in my giving birth to my first child. So it was a bit truncated, but, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, um, keeping sketchbooks was a big part of what you did there. And also, and probably more so than the when I was an art major here uh, in the U.S. 
But by that time, I had been a drawer anyway from childhood on. So it's it's just something that I did. Does that answer the question? Yeah, yeah. And I just want to know, when you are out sketching on location, do you always finish your sketch when you're there? Or do you ever bring it back and add color and that sort of thing? Well, going back to how basic my and Spartan my sketch sketching kit is, I almost always now add color later. And it's not just because I have to take few implements with me when I travel, but also, of course, if you go to Norway in December or the coast of Wales in the fall or um, Iceland or the places that I like to go to, it's hard to for watercolors to dry. Oh, yeah, cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Freezing, standing there as well, I guess. Yeah. So, um, yes, what I do is um, as I plan the sketch, I know exactly the colors I'm going to use and I don't even need to make notes. Occasionally I might make a note, but then when I get home from a trip, the first thing I try to do after unpacking is to process those sketches while they're still in my mind, add the washes, and it's it has a wonderful sort of um, second chapter to the trip. You know, it's it's a I, I kind of like this process. Almost like a re- reliving it in some way yeah. because you're going back to that sketch. I, you mentioned that you obviously go away with your husband. Um, I just wondered how does uh, does he sketch at all or draw? No. No. Does he get no. bored when you're doing it? <laughs> how do you keep him busy while you're, you're sketching? <laughs> well, you know, I'm very lucky because he's a lawyer. He's very busy in his career and the, really the only time he gets to relax is when we travel and that's why we travel as much as we do for for one of the reasons and um so he sits there just as patient as can be with reading a book reading his kindle that's basically what he does he reads and just relaxes and i have memories of him sitting on you know benches at metro stops in paris while i'm drawing and he's just reading i have memories of him sitting and reading you know, in many countries. It's <laughs> <laughs> Does he get included in the sketches? Oh, I sketch him a lot. Yeah, yeah. I do. <laughs> Tara, you sketch your 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 partner a lot, don't you, Kevin? Yeah, he's he's a, a regular so model. A handy model, yeah. Cheap <laughs> <laughs> yes. and ready when you yeah. need it. Yes. But that that leads on nicely, actually, to my next question, because um, obviously you draw, you know, all sorts of things. There doesn't seem to be a particular subject you prefer to draw. You know, you draw people, you draw draw landscapes, objects, everything, really. So it seems to me like, you, you know, whatever is in front of you may inspire you to draw it. So do you have a preference um, to what you'd like to draw if you actually if you had to draw something forever, what, what would you choose? And also, oh. do you approach all of the different subjects that you sketch in exactly the same way? Or do you use different techniques according to the subject that you're, you're drawing? Those are really good questions. Well, you know, as, as my life has gone on, my drawing and my travel, my urge to see the places that are numinous to me, obviously those two impulses to be in places that feel transcendent and really call me to them and to connect to those as an artist, it, it becomes almost one, one thing. So, um, so do I have one subject? No, I don't. As you said, I, I can draw anything and do, but is there one, 
you know, area or, or subject matter that I would like to um, concentrate on. And, and again, that is these places. I have a place, what I call my places project now with paintings and drawings where I'm wanting to explore the geological connection between the places that seem transcendent to me. But um, so, and in terms of the materials and things, is that what you ask? What would... Well, I wondered if you approach this, all of the, the subjects that oh, you do uh-huh. in, in the same way as each other or whether you you approach things differently depending on what you're drawing. I am... I am a real shapeshifter in my art life. So that means that I'm constantly on the quest for what, you know, what it is, what it is I'm compelled to draw and where to be. And in this sense, I am different from Sandra, who has this wonderfully focused and clear seemingly path in her art life where we know that we're going to see these incredibly beautiful and luminous paintings of reflective materials, glass, and so on. I am just, I'm a shapeshifter and a seeker. I'm all over the place. So that means that not only all over the place geographically, but if you look at my blog and follow my work, you'll see I have a lot of different styles that I draw and paint mostly drawing painting there's more of a consistency but um and so i because of that and because of my limited pa- uh, travel kit that i have with me the style is dictated by the um qualities of the subject matter and also by what i happen to have at hand and i don't know again being a I'm going kind of all around the place the way I do in my artwork, so I hope I haven't confused matters. No, no, not at all. But, you know, you say you have lots of different styles, but I can tell one of your sketches all day long. It doesn't matter what, what you're sketching. I just know it's yours. So I think people who follow you, you know, they get to know how you mark, you know, make your marks. And so I, I do think you've got a consistent style, but you just – do lots of different things there's, well, there's a ribbon there's some ribbon through it that says no this is this is you Laura. know a Laura Frankston definitely I yes I get that all the time and I see that as well but it's still mm. it's you know if you if you look at my work there are a lot of different slightly variations on a theme let's say mm, yeah and I think Sandra is not quite as concentrated as you think she is. Because she's, now, <laughs> she's now started drawing cartoons. So. <laughs> well, that fits her personality. You have seem to me to have such a great sense of humor, but just don't give up those paintings, please. Oh, uh, no. Well, do you know what? It's funny. I, I, I'll tell you this because I don't know if many people know this, but years and years ago when I started, I actually wanted to be a sketcher. I had no intention of ever being a painter. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to sketch. But somehow I, the perfectionism in me just couldn't, I just couldn't get my head around the sketching part. And I was aiming for, for perfection, which we all know now, years later, I know that that's not the way to approach sketching at all. It doesn't give you a great quirky sketch it just gives you something sterile so I know that now but somehow in the process I kind of lost my way and then I ended up to be a kind of realism painter which is really bizarre but um I think probably over the last sort of 
few years, I've been very much more um, into my sketchbook and definitely you would never know that it was the same person in my sketchbook that you would on the, you know, my paintings because I've realised how it's such a playground, isn't it? And it's a great place to just, just have a bit of fun and not worry about, you know, whether you go wrong or make mistakes. It's part of the process, isn't it? Well, yes, and this is so fun for me to hear because I remember distinctly our early conversations where you would say to me, oh, I wish I could, you know, draw as loosely as you do and all that stuff. I know that that's the best way to draw. And I thought, well, Sandra, that's not the best way to draw. It's the way <laughs> the way you you know what's the best way for you to draw. And we talked about that a fair amount. And then over time, when I saw what you were doing with these paintings, I thought, yes, she knows who she is. And <laughs> she's found who she is. And that yeah. is, for me, with all the, with the teaching I do or in my own work, that is so key. You must. Yeah must go from your own heart yeah absolutely I think I think you're right I I do know who I am on canvas and uh, for a long time a lot of people um teachers you know uh, people that um are quite influential in the art world were saying no you need to loosen up you've got to loosen up and actually I totally fought against that and I I said well no I don't want to paint like that that's not how I want to paint however in a sketchbook it is very much more fun to be loose and and playful but yeah on um on painting I like I think you're absolutely right you have to kind of stick with what feels natural to you don't you you. that is very much key yeah yeah and it's a process of finding who that who that is inside you you know um but i do want to see your sketches so i hope you will share them (laughs) (laughs) well well, like tara said recently i've just been doing a few quirky cartoons and uh that's been really fun (laughs) well if you've been posting it i've missed them so i have to go back and check oh no they're not on my blog (laughs) i didn't think so I know like a few years ago you began doing some illustration work. Can you tell us a bit more how you got started with that and who you've been illustrating for? Well, that's part of my kind of all over the place esque <laughs> lifestyle. But um, you know, in my twenties, I um, became I started to admire the work of an illustrator called Carl Stuklin. I don't know if that's exactly the right pronunciation, but he had illustrated several of the American chef James Beard's cookbooks, which I had. And his drawings were, I mean, his illustrations were drawings, um, loose, loosely structured, but with, again, that underlying sense of, of, of structure that I think my seemed to really resonate with me. But, you know, I just had this vague idea, oh, wouldn't it be fun if I illustrated a cookbook some year? Um, But then later, I started being asked to illustrate, and I thought, well, why not? Let's try it. So um, over the uh, maybe seven or eight years, I had done um, works, illustrations for online news programs like the morning news um for some regional food magazines for a nature conservancy publication i did a couple of local food lovers guides i provided illustrations for a couple of city magazines and i illustrated for three or four years for charleston style and design magazine um, i also made 
portraits for events and covers for a couple of published poetry books. So I did a lot. But the thing is, it was good. I actually learned a lot. But after a while, I realized again, this is taking up too much time away from my work, the work that I need to be doing. There are a zillion people on the planet who can make great illustrations, but there's only one person who can make whatever these paintings are that are inside me that need to come out. So I took a sabbatical. I'm on the sabbatical from illustrating to try to do my own work more. So when you were doing the illustrations, was that still, were you hand doing those still or had you gone digital? Good question too, because my illustration style actually evolved from the fact that I know enough um, digital drawing stuff to be able to process things and all of that. Um, But I'm not, I don't love the um, sort of drawing with an iPad or on a computer. I mean, it's, it's fine. But for me, I needed to come up with a way to make illustrations, which were hand done that didn't take me a zillion hours. And so that style that you maybe have seen, Sandra, with the collage style meant that I could do my render the images, make them in component parts, and that way, if I messed up something, I didn't have to start from the very beginning again, which is what happened in my early years of illustration. So then, I you know I fell in love with collage because I was using it with my illustrations, and it's so it gives you so much freedom and leeway, and I love the textures and dimensions of it and, and all that sort of thing. So no, I really do mostly handwork. But I can do a fair amount of editing and processing digitally. Right, I, I'm like you as well. I, I um, I'm not so keen on digital drawing. I've tried it. I've tried it on Procreate, and mm-hmm. to be honest, I, I don't know what it is. I feel less connected to the drawing when it's done for some reason, and I don't know what it is. Um, I think it's because I can't feel. It's like you. You can't yeah. feel what you're doing. You, do you know what I mean by that? <laughs> totally. I'm with you on that a thousand percent. If we, it's almost why I didn't like etching an aquatint because there were so mm. many processes and there was, a, it seemed a distant medium to me. But when you and I sit down to draw our paint, you, you put the mark down and there it is. You can, yeah. squ- you know, you can, you can manipulate it with your fingers and your, you know, so yeah. I yeah. Agree. Tara, you you're um, you started in um, design, didn't you? Graphic design, so you've been really used to doing that kind of digital drawing. But do you feel the same? I don't like it anymore. No, you don't like it anymore. <laughs> and do you, do you get what we're saying though about that oh, whole? Yeah. You can't. Yeah, you yeah, can't feel but it, yeah. I guess when I went over to analog again, when I went over to paper, it just felt alien. Yeah, but after doing it for a little bit again, it's just like I I don't want to go on the computer. I don't want to huh. draw on it. Huh. Yeah, but you're yeah. lucky because you're you're um very developed your skill in both. Well, yeah. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say I was very developed in in digital drawing either. I did a bit, but it's it kind of got phased out in graphics uh-huh. for, cheap, for cheaper stock photography uh-huh. and illustration, which was a shame. Yeah, yeah. But but I know that you obviously you mentioned earlier, didn't you, about your urban sketching? So yeah. you, you are an ur- urban sketcher, yes. And um, I know that you love to travel ab- abroad because a lot of your blogs obviously post about your trips. Yes. 
And I seem to remember, I mean, obviously, this is a long time ago, but you painted once a series of volcanoes. And I don't know if I'm right, <laughs> but am I right in thinking icebergs or am I imagining that? No, you, <laughs> you've, you've nailed me, as they say. Um, <laughs> the volcanoes were um, a series of paintings that I included in the show, and they were inspired by my trips to, to Iceland. Um, I think that, yes, so I just, oh, and also maybe even the, it was a trip to Iceland, but also somebody asked me to, oh, it was the morning news. I mentioned that I'd illustrated for them. They wanted me to do an illustration to accompany an article on volcanoes. And I started painting these volcanoes in watercolor and it was just like, wow, this is the most fun ever. And um, so I did a lot of options and sent them and they obviously chose one. And then it it, it coincided with my trip to Iceland and then that big um, volcanic eruption a couple of years later. So I, I just, I, Iceland, I mean, volcanoes were in my blood and I did lots of images of those. Um, yeah, I'm glad you remembered that. Oh, and then icebergs. Yes, well, Norway. Hello. So, <laughs> I, <laughs> yes, I've been doing in my places project. I haven't made public a lot of the paintings, but um, yeah, but yes, ice. Uh, that sort of Nordic, majestic, still climate. That thing. I feel such a connection to it. And yes, yeah, so, so I've got the fire and ice. Mm, I know. It's like it's like on the one hand you're drawing something violently hot, and then <laughs> on the opposite end of the spectrum you're you're painting things that are deadly cold. So it's it's quite interesting. That, you <laughs> yes. know, it's very interesting. But um, can you tell us a little bit more about some of the other places you've travelled to then, and and some of the art that those places inspired? Oh well, you know, for years since I lived in France as a child, I, I would try to go to France every year and have a lot of sketches of. France. Um, and, you know, let's see, Italy, that trip that I was invited to participate in, and that led me to make other trips to Italy to see dear friends who live there. So, you know, it's mostly European oriented or or the States. I haven't been to Asia or South America or, or beyond those areas, but um, yeah. Now this this is off off topic a little bit, but um, you've mentioned before that you you're doing paintings now, set of paintings, and I, I'm just wondering how different these paintings are to kind of your urban sketches. Very different. Um, I mean, there's a very basic common denominator between my paintings and my sketches in that there's that dance between looseness and structure in both. Um, so my sketches. You know, they're, they're loose, but they're not as sort of, um, you know, expressionistic in terms of blobs and, you know, that kind of thing. The way some of our friends' sketches are that are gorgeous. But I do tend, I ha, I'm loose, but I'm also, I have ties to the some illusionism in, in my sketches. Um, the paintings are more, since I'm responding to something so much about the land, something that I sense so powerfully when I'm in these places. It becomes more of, you know, if, if you're responding to earth 
qualities, if you're responding to geology, if you're responding to outcrops and things, those are things that, although they have movement, we obviously over millions of years, they seem when you're in their presence, you might feel the dynamism that's underneath all of that. But to your eyes, what you're feeling is the timelessness, you know, the ancient, ancient age, these forms that are heavy and just so full of history. And so to that extent, when I'm dealing with paint and that kind of subject matter, the final appearance of things is probably, it's quieter and more still. And of course, my constant quest is to get better and better about expressing the what I'm feeling in those, in those landscapes. Can I just ask you, yeah. Do you ever do you ever sketch a place and look at your sketch and think, oh, I'm not happy with that. I want to tear it out. Or do you just keep everything? Or are you is it just like whatever you do is just part of just becomes part of your book? It's mostly, uh, you know, I think, eh, well, it's not the best, but it's okay. Flip yeah. it over to the next page. But sometimes yeah. things are so they hurt your eyes so much. You think, okay, this is the time. I'm going to glue in a piece of paper over that and draw something else. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad everybody does that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you have any fun or scary stories that you can tell us about sketching on location? I mean, I'm guessing stunning near volcanoes has got to be a few hazards. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, actually, in Hawaii, we... I tried to get c- close to a volcano, but they wouldn't let me, darn it. Um, so um, a funny story first. When we, speaking of, of Hawaii, we went to Hawaii a few years ago, and I um, was, we were on an island. It was a beautiful day, you know, not too hot. The sun was shining. It was, the water was calm-esque. And, and then I climbed down to the edge of the land, which consisted of kind of big rocks, slippery big rocks. So I perched myself, but I was happy. I had my sun hat on. I had all my stuff out. and I was um, painting away and drawing away. And then I heard this series of click, 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 clicks, like zillions of clicks. And I thought, huh, what could that be? Well, I looked around me and there were all these little crabs crawling over the rocks with their claws clicking against the hard surface. And it was such an odd sound experience, but I actually loved it. I mean, it felt, you know, sort of talk about the dynamism of the earth. This was like the earth was clicking at me. (laughs) I thought thought you were going to say it was going to be a rock fall then. I thought, oh no. (laughs) Well, no. I thought they were coming for you. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that crabs were curious, but they weren't yeah. coming for me. No. Then, then, um, but sort of a scary thing was um, with this project I'm working on, where I go and make uh, long drawings of route rock outcrops on the coast, and on Anglesey and the coast of Pembrokeshire and stuff. Those are my first two areas i'm going to scotland next and so on but you have to be so careful you really have to watch the tide tables and you have to plan the exact little hour that you're going to be able to stand out on the shore and there have been a couple of times when i get so involved in making these drawings and trying to balance this 
concertina sketchbook that unfolds into its full 12 feet while I'm trying to stand there on the sand drawing. And the tide starts coming in and it comes in faster than I think. And I look down at my feet and look around me and say, uh-oh, oh, no. <laughs> I, better, I better try to make it back to shore really fast. So, yeah, that was the scary bit. You know, obviously you, you travel a lot and um, I just wondered if your travels are based around what you want to sketch mainly or whether you just go on Absolutely. holiday somewhere you haven't. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's interesting. And, and you've shown on your blog, it certainly shows on your blog, that you're just as happy to sketch in your own garden despite your travels as, <laughs> as anywhere else in the world. And you've yeah. done that so many times. And I remember... Um, on your blog you did this whole series of transforming your garden and we you know there were loads of photographs and you sketched your progress you sketched the plants that you you planted and it was a real project in itself wasn't it yes it was and I believe it was it was actually inspired by a trip that you made to I hope I'm going to pronounce this right Le Jardin Agapanth do I sound French yes (laughs) in Normandy in Normandy and, and I I just wondered how that trip, you know, inspired you to totally redesign your garden because that was what triggered that, isn't it? Exactly. I, well, actually, I had my elder daughter's wedding in the garden and um, that required me to make it look really good. And that, you know, I started doing, installing a couple of parterre garden beds. But then I got lost after the wedding. I thought, okay, now what? <laughs> you know, and it, and I didn't want to have, I mean, I live in North Carolina. I didn't want to have a garden that was pretentious, looking like it was trying to be, you know, V-Laundry or something. And, and I didn't, I liked, since I had a lot of my childhood in France, I, I sort of um, imprinted on French garden style in, in some way. But, you know, trying to marry that with this North Carolina house was difficult. Anyway, I read an article just one day in El Decor, and in that it had Alexandre Thomas, his garden, Le Jardin Agapant, featured. And I was totally blown away because what Thomas does is he takes traditional formal garden elements like topiary, but instead of having everything be symmetrical and that sort of thing, he just sort of tosses these things in the air, it seems, and they land in a random way, it seems. And and so you have a combination of these forms that mean a lot to me from my history, and then you have them done in a casual way. So I I thought, okay, I'm making a pilgrimage to see this garden, and I devised a itinerary for my husband and me to see several wonderful gardens in um, Normandy. We went to Les Jardins Agapant first. I met Monsieur Thomas. I told him what I was doing and how he inspired me. We talked a fair amount. And then I went through every square inch of his extensive gardens. And I knew exactly what I needed to do when I got home. And I've been doing it ever since. Yeah, I was going to say, how long did it take you? And you but it's still, it's still a work in progress. Well, you know, we're planning on selling this house and moving, downsizing. So I'm actually, I mean, I've loved this garden in this house forever. We designed it, we built it. It has everything about us in it. 
But I am really looking forward to a new cottage garden with all different colored flowers. And, you know, the formal garden has a restricted palette. It's got restricted shapes and all of that. So I'm I'm sort of eager to loosen up and have a different, different milieu. But that was what? How long is that? How long ago was that trip to Le Jardin in Agapant? Um, trying to think. Kate got married in. It's been um, ten or eleven yeah. years. Yeah, you I was going to say because I'm sure that that was going on even when I first found you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so tell me about what inspired you to actually draw the process because you did, didn't you? You drew a lot of what you were doing as oh, well yeah. as photographed. I mean, that's a kind of. Um, drawing that I've always done to, mm. you know, pr- keep a record of things. Yeah. And, yeah. Almost like, have you just um, quickly, have you ever been to Claude Monet's garden? Oh my gosh. Yes. And that was way before Jardin Agapin. David and I were in Paris one October and I thought, okay, we're going. I, and this was before cell phones. I set foot in Giverny, and I took like 600 photographs in about two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been, and I'd, I'd really like to. I'd like to stand on the little bridge over the yes. lily pond. But, yes. Um, mm, I, thought, I wondered if you would have done that. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. So I take it you drew when you were there as well. I did do some sketches, but you know what? There comes a time and occasion when you're so taking in what's around you and in that case there were so many things to take in that I thought okay let me stand here and really feel it feel it feel it feel it let me take some photographs let me make sure that I get this place in sort of a global way because sometimes when you start to sketch and I think you all probably feel this way too you are focusing on details, which is great, but sometimes sketching can limit actually your experience of a place in one level at the same time that it deepens it in other ways. Yeah, I, I suppose you're right. Certainly with taking photographs, that happens. With sketching, I, I sometimes think you, when you look back on a sketch, you remember more about the experience than you would by just looking at a photograph because you can totally. almost smell and and where you were and and but yeah I kind of understand what you're saying you can be concentrating so much on the process that you're not necessarily just being there and well taking it, it in I mean it's even there's something to look at every every you know nano inch that you look at so there's a way in which if I concentrate on this one scene which will make me remember the scene it'll be very meaningful for, for me I'm missing the whole universe. It, now, mind you, if I had days to go back to Giverny, I'd be sketching, you know, absolutely. But I was limited in that yeah. particular visit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, have you ever thought about writing a tutorial book on the sketching process? Because I think Sandra wants to get her order in, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's so funny. I have because um, I was actually asked back in that maybe 2010 to edit and include my work and gather the work of others on how to sketch and since I can't I'm not going to name any names but since that time I, I declined the offer and somebody whose name we would know went to accepted it and made a great book and um it sold copies all over the place but you know what for me I am again that that artist who 
really depends on and values the personal impulse. And even though I knew that would be a good book to produce and it'd be worth a lot, it would take up so much time because we artists are cats and herding cats is never going to be my favorite pursuit. And also I'm impatient. And so I, and I know this about myself, you can't be an impatient person and work with 30 other artists and try to get them to give your work and you, you write about it and pull it together. So I think it was wise that I declined that, but I am now working on an express, an abbreviated expressive drawing curriculum based on some series that I taught at a local art museum and that the participants seem to really love. It's the kind of drawing that I do. It's a kind of drawing that I think I can teach people who don't, who think they can't quote draw a stick figure because you, we're not worrying so much about rendering um, an object where we're, we're going from the impulse to make lines and shapes and to look at the world and to care about texture and color, not is this going to look like an apple with a shadow falling on it at 3 p.m., you know. So um, mm. that's – and I know – and I I think that's a really good project for me to do because it's what I love and what I do well in terms of teaching. And I will finish that curriculum and – have workshops wherever I might be living in the next year so people can, you know, help me work out the bugs. And then if it's appropriate to publish that, but that'd be the only kind of thing that I would do in terms of publishing a sketching tutorial, I think. Mm, you wouldn't think about doing like an online workshop then? Or is that well, it could, yeah, it could be definitely online could be mm. part of this. Um, mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, it's one of those things. I think timing sometimes has a lot to do with it, doesn't it? What you can and can't do, and you've got to think about first of all your own artwork, haven't you? And then the yes. rest has to fit in around that. I agree. Yeah. Yes. So, so well, I suppose I was going to say, what are your plans for the future? But I suppose you kind of answered it. Is there anything else other than writing books that you're planning, art wise? No. I know. I think we've covered it. I, the other, only other thing, in addition to painting in my places project and the drawing course and workshops, are I, I took some line of cut courses and I want to pursue that more mm. because I want oh. to do an artist book at some point. And in fact, I was signed up for an artist book course at Penland Art School here in the states, but of course, it was canceled because of um, yeah. the pandemic. And also, monoprints. I want to do more monoprints. So. Um, that's what, yeah, that's where I am with. That's really interesting because, because that's not something I've seen you do at all. I know prints and monoprints at all. So yeah, Yeah. it'd be really interesting to see that. Yeah. Well, thank you. It'd be interesting to do it. (laughs) (laughs) I take it that's not something you were going to do like in monoprints. You're not doing that on location. You're doing that studio based. Yeah. 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 Yes. And again, I had a monoprint workshop weekend that I signed up for, but it was canceled. So, you know, um, we'll go at it another way. So how are you getting on it? We're obviously in the thick of lockdown at the moment, and I believe you're kind of, well, in the same boat as we are. (laughs) Absolutely. So are you finding that you're getting more time to draw or I don't know, are you drawing things around the house? How are you dealing with it? Because obviously I know you like to go out and about sketching. Well, since I injured my leg um, February 20th, I've been very hampered with Mm. my ability to be very mobile. I mean, it's getting better, but it was 
it was not a great thing. So at first, after in my early days of recovery, I drew my bedside table with the stuff that I had piled on it. I did some drawings from my bed, that kind of thing. Um, so, you know, I'm doing as much as I can, but mainly it's a good time for me to work on this um, drawing curriculum and mm. and that kind of thing. So where are the best places that people can find out about you? Okay, well, my blog, my uh, website is going to go live in a couple of weeks and uh, on Instagram. And also I've been in seven books on drawing and sketching. Um, the Art of Urban Sketching. That's Gabi Campanario's book. Artist Journal Workshop. That's Kathy Johnson's. I've got that book. You do? Artist Sketchbook. That's another Kathy Johnson. Um, Drawing 365 is Catherine Tyrrell's book, 365. Um, Five-Minute Sketching Landscapes by Virginia Hine. 1,000 Artist Journal Pages by Dawn DeVries Sokol and Playing with Sketches by Whitney Sherman. Great. Um, Your website, I know you said your blog is called Laura Lines. Is your website going to be called the same thing? No, it's going to be www.laurafrankstone.com. Great. Yeah. Well, I, I for one, can highly recommend your blog because that is, I think, where people can really get to know you and your writing and and it's almost been like a a journal in a way hasn't it Uh like an art uh journal and it's fascinating and I know down the side you've got like links to your various trips and things like that so it's quite easy to navigate as well so I definitely recommend anyone um, our listeners to go and check it out thank you we really, really appreciate you coming on today because I know, well, we both know that you've had issues with your knee, so I'm I'm surprised you're not stiffening up by now. <laughs> but we really, really do appreciate you chatting to us. It's been really fascinating. And finally, after all this time, we actually got to chat, which has been brilliant. I know. It's wonderful. <laughs> I love how things come full circle. And this, <sighs> this definitely has. And thank you for asking me. And Tara, I enjoyed meeting you and talking with you. And thank you again for giving me giving me this opportunity to talk oh no you're so welcome it's been brilliant okay well take care then you too (laughs) bye thank you bye thank you so much for listening we hope you enjoyed the episode and if you did perhaps you'd like to share it and leave a review for us on itunes 